Hello, and welcome to the Sunshine Sound Podcast with your host, Christine Mathias. I'm going to make a pizza in front of you, but I'm not going to make the dough from scratch. The dough's ready. I'm not going to, you know, grate the cheese in front of you, but I am going to put the pizza together in front of you. So there is things prepared, and then I'm going to put the performance of cooking a pizza. (laughs) That's, I would say, 90% of the people there are doing Hello, hello. Welcome to the very first episode of the Sunshine Sound podcast. I'm super excited about this. Uh, So my name is Christine Mathias, and I am your host on this brand new podcast. So what is this all about? What am I doing? Uh, Why am I doing this? So this, uh, this is about Sunshine Sound Center. So uh, Sunshine Sound Center is a nonprofit. We're based in San Diego and we're a music label, but we also have a mission. And our mission is to advance the independent music scene. So we do this in a few ways. We have events, uh, we do promotion, uh, we do education, and more stuff like that. And so this podcast is one way uh, that we're trying to reach more musicians, uh, trying to promote more music, and just really just connect with people, build that community, and just get the conversation going about about what it means to be a musician in this day and age and in San Diego. So I'm going to have a chance to talk to different music makers, organizers, producers, other people just involved in the scene about what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're doing it, And again, it's just all about building that creative community. It's also an opportunity for me personally to spend time with and learn from some of the really amazing and creative people I've had the chance to meet in my two and a half or so years here in San Diego. And so just a little bit about me. Uh, This podcast is not about me, but uh, just to give you some background. So I'm one of the founders of Sunshine Sound Center. I'm also one half of Denim Robots. So we are an electronic surreal pop duo. I play synthesizers, keyboards, I kind of sing and uh, Tommy Bobcat plays guitar. Uh, I've been in a bunch of other bands and projects and things, but we don't need to get into that today. So that's enough about me for today. Let's let's talk about who our first guest is. Guest is it's uh, Jeff Tragesser. So when I had this idea to do the podcast, I I knew that I would have to get someone on from Open Oscillator. So Jeff Tragesser, he's the host, co-founder, and sometimes performer at Open Oscillator. And so that's a bi-monthly open mic for electronic music in San Diego. Uh, it usually takes place right up the street from us at South Park's own uh, Whistle Stop. But they've also had a few showcases at the Casbah. So Jeff's been in the music scene for a while. He also plays bass for a local rock band called Takahashi, and he previously performed in a lot of other acts, including the Shirley's, and he formed uh, Rotator, which is San Diego's premier live electronica act. So let's start off by talking about Open Oscillator. How long have you guys been doing that? So we just, uh, in uh, last month, we did our, our third anniversary show. Yeah. So... Which is funny because we were just um, going to do it once, um, didn't 
know what we were getting into. I, I knew the other guys that were helping to host. I didn't know if anybody else was going to come and didn't know what to expect. But the uh, the first one was pretty big. We had a lot of people. We went till the place closed. And uh, and then so we said, well, okay, you know, we'll, we'll do it again. And we've been asked to do it again. And then I think we should have to do it monthly for a little bit, but it was yeah. way too much work. So yeah. We, yeah. That's how we got to that every other month thing. Sure. So what... What made you decide to put it on the first time? So, okay. So yesterday um, was the, the, the flim flam, the Grandpa Drew's flim flam at the Whistle Stop. What's that? So it, it's, um, they, do, they do it on a Saturday happy hour time. So it was yesterday. And it's basically uh, country musicians and Americana musicians. And certainly Drew can explain it better. But, um, you know, they'd have a guitar and a microphone. Hmm. And different musicians would come up and sing their songs. And then other people would come up and play with them. There's a bass player and a drummer and there's banjos. And Drew even plays the saw with a bow. Nice. Um, and it's just kind of show up and play and sign up. And it's a cool vibe, you know. It's relaxed and people just, they're playing their music for friends and for whoever comes by. And we just kind of, I thought it was funny because I make electronic music mostly. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. that'd be funny if we uh, did the same thing, but with electronic musicians and... Uh, yeah, that's that's where it came from. Yeah, so it was from the whistle stop from the beginning, it, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's other open mic nights around town, and there has been, and but they're usually really guitar and yeah. singer-songwriter friendly, and we, a lot of my friends at the, well, my friends write music with just electronic instruments, and so yeah. it wasn't really a place for that. So we thought, well, we'll do it and see if anyone shows up, and right. lo and behold, a lot of people showed up. Right, and I, I wonder with it, when I go and see those performances, how many of these people, it's their first opportunity to ever get to play this music live. Do you get that impression too, that it's a lot of first time performers with whatever music that they're performing? Yeah, I I think that now that it's evolved, like I said, the first time I didn't know what to expect. But what I think it's become is it's a place for people who like to write music, have some songs together they'd like to play, but they're not the full touring band doing right. the same shows. You know, for, um, it's it's if you if you're just kind of starting to figure things out, it's a good good event. Yeah, I got yeah. a song. I got two songs. Yeah, and so it's low pressure. Right, and that's the other thing is it's very much a supportive uh, environment to where no one's there. You know, going to judge you if you if you flub a note and. It's, it's everybody's in it together, right. supporting each other. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of one of the really interesting things about it, because it's just electronic music is such a broad genre, really. Uh, so do you have, like, what, what are the requirements to perform at Open Oscillator? That's the, that's our, that's the most common question we yeah. get. And I think as we were getting going, we didn't want to be anti-anything. Mm-hmm. Um. I had started writing electronic. I, so I'd used um, software like Reason for mm-hmm. years and years writing on the computer, and had recently moved away to be more of the the, the Groovebox sequencer hardware type of setup and writing music that way without a screen to look at, without a mouse, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, and drum machines and things like that. Lots of boxes on a table, right? Yeah, cabled together, and but I was very aware that a lot of people are writing on 
laptops, yep. desktops. And, and I figured, well, the most people make music on like iPads, maybe even mm. on their phone. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about all the different um, entryways to electronic music and it's synthesizers, computers, boxes. And I thought, well, whatever you make it with, just come on out. Sure. And so it wasn't anti-guitar, but on our very first poster, we had a um, picture of a guitar and a circle and a slash, <laughs> kind of as a joke. Yeah. But plenty of people have sure. come yep. using their guitars to make electronic music or yep. to add to the electronic music. And so it's never been, oh, we're not this, we're all that. But I guess we right. are about that electronic sound. Yeah, yeah. And, and it could be house music, but it could be a pop song. And mm-hmm. it could be drum and bass and glitch yeah. hop and and hip hop and everything in between. Right. That's what's so cool about the event. You just, you don't really know from performer to performer what you're going to get. So that's such a cool thing. And so you have, uh, you said this, you just had your third year anniversary? Third year, which was, I think our 20th total event. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. 21, 20 or 21st of them. We keep a numbering tab every time we do it. And we do additional um, showcase shows mm-hmm. with a different format where we give artists who do have a full set and really want to play a full uh, set. Sure. You know, 10, 20 songs, whatever they have. Um, we do those. We don't, we don't number those. So we've done a few of those at the Casbah. We've done one in Tijuana. Oh, yeah. How are the Tijuana shows? Well, we only did the one. And okay. We definitely played too early because I was told that most people in Tijuana don't go out till midnight, hmm. and we were oh, well. we were on at like eight. Oh wow! Wasn't a whole lot of people there, so uh, I don't know. I, I, I yeah. know there's a lot of other ones that have happened since with other artists, but yeah. I haven't been back. Yeah, except for the one. And then you also had was it only that one show down at uh, Logan Heights? That oh, space? so so yeah. one of the guys in the scene, his name's Luis. He goes by Delta Sign. He's got this great um, little artist loft colony thing down in Barrio Logan. Oh, that's where it is, right? Yeah. And he um, he's kind of puts on events just kind of a similar format. We, mm-hmm. You come out and play, but there's no real time limit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's all kind of loosely connected. It's very much a communal type of scene right now, which is awesome, sure. which is my favorite thing about it is I got to meet all of these cool people making yeah. music and seeing other other ways to promote it and mm-hmm. play. And Luis's is really cool because it's just chill. He's just got the PA and people set yeah. up and they don't have to sign up. Yeah. They just play for as long as they want. Yeah. <laughs> way more way more relaxing, I think, for me. Sure. Yeah. The, the whistle stop, I'm like, I got to be the time Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. What all is involved on your end? You help with all the, the setup? Because the setup is, if you haven't seen it, it's... It's really great that um, it's basically one big table where people can set up their gear and there's lots of inputs. And um, so it's, it makes it so the transition between their performers is pretty seamless. It's awesome. I mean, compared to, uh, you know, any kind of open mic where it's a little bit easier, just someone getting on stage with an acoustic guitar, I can tell that you guys really put some um, thought and effort into into that setup, which is really cool. So did, did that take some time to to figure that out? Well, once we set it, we were going to do it, myself and Dan Comerford, we, um, we figured, all right, well, let's get a mixer. So everybody can be plugged into the same mixer, like a central mm-hmm. hub with like spider legs going out, all the mm-hmm. cables, and everybody would be plugged into it. And then we would just unmute one, let them play, and then mm-hmm. mute them and unmute the other. That was yeah. the 
the idea. So we got a an old Mackie, rusty Mackie mixer at a you know garage sale that works. And uh, I gathered up all my extra cables. I think I went to Guitar Center and bought a few more. Invested a little, not much. Sure. And then uh, Dan, um, on the night of the first one, he showed up with these tables with these giant holes drilled in them hmm. and all these lights inside it. And so that was spur of the moment. We just set up these ta- this lit- light up table. Yeah. And then, um, and then the, yeah, then we plug it into the main PA at the house, at the whistle, ho- whistle stop, and then just... Somebody comes up, we unmute them, they play for their slot. When they're done, mm-hmm. we get the next person ready. Nice. Yeah. And I watched um, Grandpa Drew, and he would run around. When somebody was playing, he was running around the bar finding the next person, and he would tap them on the shoulder and remind mm-hmm. them. And then he'd notice they'd wander off, and he'd go back and find them again. So <laughs> that's kind of my role. Yeah. So after people sign up, I make sure I find them again when mm-hmm. it's getting close to their time to play. Yeah. And then I try to do a quick announcement and I don't know. If it, I always feel this need to explain what we're doing every sure. time in case there's someone new. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the nice things about the whistle stop is it gets a lot of foot traffic. So I think every time you do it, you're getting a new audience. Um, there's definitely a lot of repeat people, but do you get the impression that um, that is mostly new people every time? I do, and that's yeah. that's been. I mean, just even the last one, the twentieth. The 20th time we've done this, there had to be at least 10 people who'd never played there before. Maybe mm. somewhere between five and 10. Mm-hmm. And I get a kick out of that because that to me says um, the word's getting out and mm-hmm. people are interested in doing this because it, if it you know, turns into the same people over and over, which would still be fun yeah. in a different way. Um, but maybe we've, we've saturated the, or we've, we've found as many people as we're ever going to find and that's not right. the case. So yeah. I don't know where the end of the the road is with this because there's so many people that keep showing up. Right. Yeah. And that's so cool. And it's also uh, just the community that I found it, which was unexpected, Um, you know, friendships and putting together other shows that, that, um, like we had a show at Soda Bar with a few people from that we met at Open Oscillator and getting other shows booked, which is just, it's, uh, yeah, I, I haven't had that experience with any other kind of open mic. So it's, I really appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's probably been the, the best thing I've taken away from it too. I I thought it would be a one-off mm-hmm. with just a few friends and maybe, you know, some a few new people, but I, I've made friends, people that I sure. stay in contact with. There are people who've been here from out of town or out of the country. Yeah. And like now we're Facebook friends and we stay in touch. Yeah. There's a guy from the Netherlands that came out one night looking for something to do, had his laptop with him, was an electronic musician. And and now, you know, we have these contacts with new people that I wouldn't know otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So how, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand what exactly electronic musicians are doing. Because, I mean, occasionally you do see a guy who who literally just presses play on his yeah. <laughs> on his phone. And I think that gets kind of a negative reaction from the community. There, but yeah. <laughs> there, there are people with strong opinions. And, and so the way I make music is with these boxes where you program, it'll play, it'll record the notes you play back mm-hmm. as MIDI. And my first time there, there was one of the performers, a regular, he goes by Pretty Howtown. Uh-huh, yep, he he's great. He said to me, oh, I don't like MIDI. And I felt so intimidated. I'm like, oh, because he makes all of his music analog with patch cables, right? which is super fantastic and awesome. Um, 
but everybody's got their own way of, of doing it. And I think the key is, you know, be performing. Mm-hmm. Don't just push play. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. I guess, you know what, going back to your older question, like, what are the requirements? I guess that would have to be one. It's, yeah. You just need to be performing. Right. And uh, one time a guy did bring up his phone, plugged it in and wanted to press play. And I was like, I had no idea that's what he was getting at. Yeah. And he just stood there and I'm like, oh, you know, I thought maybe he had an, uh, uh, a synth on the phone he was going to play mm-hmm. or something he was going to perform. But yeah, yeah, people didn't like that. And <laughs> no. I think that's, that's in our music genre, that's a no-no. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, to to just push play and stand there. Yeah, yeah. Because I th- I think there's a there's a bad reputation that electronic music isn't really music. It's just people pushing play and. Right. It's. I think it's hard to explain how much work goes into creating the music before you get to the performance stage. Um, it's, and not only that, but it's it's it. Uh, there's a lot more than just pressing play on these things to, especially with the analog performers. I don't even know what pretty Town is doing. <laughs> it is so cool. Like I have no idea how he's making those sounds come out of that machine. It, it's amazing what he does. Yeah. He's, he's real. he literally is creating sound from scratch. Wow. There's no presets. Mm. There's no loops. There's nothing. He, every single tone and note he's programming live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's it's fascinating. I am not uh, that talented. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have things that are sampled. And there's things sure. that are programmed. And there's things that I'm playing. Yeah, I can't do it all yeah. uh, from scratch by myself. But um, right. But yeah, I, I think one of the early um, ones after a few discussions, maybe my our second or third one, I said, "All right, I'm going to make a pizza in front of you, but I'm not going to make the dough from scratch. The uh-huh. dough's ready." I'm not going to, you know, grate the cheese in front of you, but I am going to put the pizza together in front of you. So mm-hmm. there is things prepared. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to put the performance like of cooking a pizza. <laughs> That's, I would say, 90% of the people there are doing. Sure, sure. few people, maybe they're taking the pizza out of the cardboard box yeah. already prepared. And a few really are, like Pretty Howtown, are really, they're, they're making the dough from scratch. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's a good way to put it. So how do you feel about sometimes the performers, and then when I tell people what I do, they refer to me as a DJ or call the performers DJs. Do you think that's an accurate word? Do you think that rubs some people the wrong way? It rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. My background, I'll go back a ways to the late 90s. And uh, I was making electronic music with, you know, my friend Mark Scarboza, the guy that does mm-hmm. all our art. Mm-hmm. And we noticed that in the San Diego Music Awards category, every mm-hmm. time they got to electronic music, it was like three or four DJs. Hmm. And I remember being annoyed. I thought, well, what what does a guy playing records have to do with making electronic music? Right, yeah. No, I know there is a craft to being a good DJ mm-hmm. and, and, and matching beats. I get that. No disrespect. But I also noticed there was no DJs listed for best country artists, best mm-hmm. rock. There was nobody. Right. There were no DJs in those categories. Yeah. So why were there no electronic musicians in the electronic music musician category? Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I don't, I don't have any disrespect for DJs, but ma- being an electronic artist or a musician is, is different. And yeah. some DJs do that too. They can do both. Right, right. Um, but I think that's a weird 
just like stigma that's with our genre for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Like even when you see like hip hop artists and they'll have a DJ mm-hmm. and like, yeah, that's part of it. But I also know, you know, Dr. Dre was programming beats on a drum machine. Right. And playing those synth lines yeah. in the background. You don't, people just don't associate electronic instruments with, and, and playing the instruments with the genre sometimes. They just think mm-hmm. it's all DJs. Right, right. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. I think if you, when you come out to Open Oscillator, you see that it's more than that, which is another great thing about it. Yeah. So you also play in a rock band, right? Uh, Takahashi. I do. Takahashi. Yeah. So I've been playing in different types of bands for years and in town, and Takahashi's one that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And I play bass in that band, but I, I used to play guitar. Okay. And other yeah. bands, but and then back in that late '90s, I was we had this band called Rotator, which was me and Mark, yeah, and we yeah. were an electronic band, and we were like trying to be like the Chemical Brothers uh-huh. and, and Daft Punk, and what else was happening? Uh, Fat Boy Slim, That's true. in that era. Yeah. Um, we thought, well, let's let's take it out live because we had seen the Chemical Brothers play, and we had seen yeah. uh, some other such Basement Jacks, and. Uh, so, yeah, we thought, well, let's try it. Nobody else was doing it. Mm-hmm. So we did it for three, four years around San Diego. And we even got to be a, on, a, on a pilot TV show for MTV. Yeah. That did not get picked up. But anyway, <laughs> so it was what, a fun time. Sure. What was, the, what was the pilot? It was called, I think it's called It's Your Turn. I actually have the, the, the email. It was a guy named Ted Smith. Mm-hmm. He's the producer. And it was, the idea was kind of like... So this would have been 98, 99. It would have been kind of like um, a reality show where a bunch of musicians were all kind of like uh, American Idol before American Idol. Mm-hmm. But it was supposed to be about musicians who were trying to make it. Yeah. And it's all we did was go up and we auditioned in front of a panel of judges with okay. cameras, played one song. And, <laughs> and we're kind of waiting to hear what happened. And the next thing I heard, you know. Was oh yeah, they didn't pick it up. Okay, so were you auditioning to be one of the people like on the reality show? I think so. Wow, I yeah. think so. I, that I, would have been a trip. <laughs> yeah, it was it, the whole experience was was yeah. surreal. Yeah, uh, we were up in some studio in LA where it, 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 apparently they were doing voiceovers for The Simpsons because in the room they had these you know, music stands, uh-huh. and then you could see the names that they had on them were the different right. Simpsons uh, yeah. actors. Yeah. And they had like these giant TV screens and you could see, oh, wow, this is where, but they just had us, um, yeah, they didn't explain a lot. Right. I think there was a little mystery in there. We had to piece together what the heck it was we were auditioning for. So you were just, it was just the two of you performing your music into like, what was that crowd like? It was, it was like, (laughs) it was kind of like American Idol in that there was like three or four judges sitting there. Nobody famous. Yeah. Just like producers. Sure. And there was a camera and there was a bunch of people just standing there with their arms folded, staring oh, at us. <laughs> and we played like pretending there was an audience that was really into it. Sure. Yeah. That's what you got to do. You put on yeah. sunglasses and just rock out. And, then, <laughs> and they're like, oh, that was great. Thanks. And then they just all took off and went to another room. So wow. they had all the, there was probably like 10 different rooms like this. Yeah. And then they would just move to the next. <sighs> Instead of having different people come in, we all were set up in different places. Okay. Gotcha. And that was it. Huh. Drove home. Yeah. Back to San Diego. <laughs> That's cool. So um that was with Rotator. And you sent me a track from Rotator, right? Or yeah. Of Light. Yeah. So tell me tell me about that. So so we did actually had like had gone through this whole like 
he had three records or CDs, whatever, mm-hmm. back. And this is when MP3.com was a big deal. Oh, sure. And so we were put them all out through MP3.com. And it was super fun. I mean, it was probably the most success I've had with the band as far as people paying us money. Mm. And, uh, you know, we were paying us money to play shows. Uh, we never toured, though. We never left San Diego. Mark and oh, I had yeah. jobs, and mm-hmm. it came up once. Somebody in Texas wanted us to come out and play a concert or a rave or something. Yeah. And I, we just kind of looked at each other and like, yeah, no. Sure. So we just played the Casbah. was like our main gig, and uh, wherever else in town there was something happening. Yeah. And we got to know. We've we've known the people of the Casbah for a while, Tim. And mm-hmm. if he had an electronic artist come into town, he Hit us up. Nice. So we got to open up for the Sneaker Pimps. Oh, nice. Which was super fun. We got played on 91X for a while back mm-hmm. on, like, in the afternoons, they would play us. And uh, we were selling CDs on yeah. through mp3.com. And it's fun. Yeah. You know, got to play with Afro Man. Nice. And he's a really nice guy. When he Right after he did Because I Got High, he was kind of <laughs> riding that wave. Oh, right, right. Sneaker Pimps. Who else? I don't know. Just... Uh, I can't remember. Mark will kill me. We played with a lot of great bands and had a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think there's always, so since then, and we probably wrapped that up in the early 2000s, 2001, mm-hmm. 2002. So let's take a short break to listen to that track by Rotator, Orb of Light.
nice to be back out making electronic music again. Sure. And, so did you take a little bit of a break from electronic music? Yeah. Well, yeah. After that, I, I played in several different rock bands mm-hmm. myself, but I continue to just make music. Sure. Because that's, I mean, electronic music by myself, because yeah. that's what I would do. But I never really would make complete songs mm-hmm. and finish them. Yeah. Yeah. Or put together an album of songs like we did with Rotator. Sure. And I think that's another nice thing about Open Oscillator yeah, is a lot definitely. of people who are like that. Maybe, yeah, mm-hmm. I got this song, it's almost done. You know, maybe you, they, it'll, you'll polish it off just so you can bring it out and play it one time. But it's yeah. not about, you know, you don't have to have a record to come right. find Open Oscillator. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. It's It often is just the motivation that you need just to get the song together. And it's just great to have that, um, just that gig that you can keep coming back to to try out new material so it's awesome for that yeah yeah um, it's yeah, yeah I, I i'll come out with something really not finished and i just mm-hmm. well let's see what happens here tonight mm-hmm. and sometimes i'm like man that came out great i wish i recorded it yeah and other times i just fall on my face and like well you know right <laughs> i'll prepare next time yeah <laughs> yeah but it's such a forgiving crowd yes yeah yeah so as someone who plays both like rock live music and electronic music do you have a preference for either I'm going to have to say no. It's yeah. just, they're so different to And me. they are different, yeah. Um, as far as writing and playing, they both have a very different type of energy and, mm. and joy that I get out of it. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't, when I listen to the radio, I don't pick one over the other on sure. a regular basis. It just depends on the mood. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I agree. It's just completely different. Um, but it's, it's kind of, it, it almost like works different parts of your brain <laughs> to create rock music or electronic music. You know, it's funny. I just started thinking right now when I was in high school, I was listening to, I was kind of like this first I was heavy metal and I was kind of this weird punk <laughs> genre or, you know, mashup of heavy metal or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. But I was always secretly listening to New Order. Oh, sure. And, sure. uh, any other like techno that was happening back mm-hmm. then. And so I've always listened to both, liked both. Yeah. And as I learn more and more how to make electronic music, I just, I don't know, I feel equally comfortable playing either. Yeah, yeah. But they're just so different. Yeah, and there's, I mean, that's what's great about being interested in different genres. As you get older, you can, there's kind of an endless amount of music that you can produce. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, explore different avenues. So that's great. And some people, like there are bands out there that definitely blend electronic music and, mm-hmm. you know, indie rock uh, well. Yeah. And it's really cool and I love listening to it. But you know, like I said, ma- making it's different. There's that part of your brain where you're playing your instrument, you know, acoustically, bass or keyboard or your mm-hmm. guitar. And then there's this other part of your brain that's about, you know, um, syncopating that beat and making these two things go together. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's Yeah. Yeah, it's more like using the math side of your brain, I feel like, like seeing how different you can get different loops to kind of match up and break out, break up beats. Um, Whereas sometimes playing a live instrument just feels a little more organic and intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. I I like that you said that about the math because, Mm. you know, most electronic musicians are thinking in 16 steps. Right. You know, step writing or 32 steps or eight steps or whatever. We all, it's very, it's groups of four mm-hmm. for the most part. And whereas maybe if you're playing 
indie rock. And even if it is in 4-4 four, four timing, you're not sure. thinking that way. You're thinking yeah. of the melody and the harmony and the feel and the vibe. I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah, yeah, sure. I agree with that. Yeah. So where where do you think Open Oscillator is heading? Do you think that this is... Uh, it's just going to keep riding out how it is. Do you have, do you and your guys have like a bigger vision for it or, or what do you think? Um, well, you know what we've been doing over the last year is adding to the collective that it is. And that is Luis and Jesse mm-hmm. um, kind of coming on and, and helping out. And, and so that there are times when we've been asked to play that I can't physically be there. Mm-hmm. And so Jesse can come and Jesse now is able to set up and, and be the MC as as well as Luis, mm. because that's the key thing is having someone that's kind of paying attention, keep it moving, yeah. making sure everybody's plugged in and has a good sound. So really just expanding the collective so that other people can carry that torch mm-hmm. when I can't. And uh, yeah, there have been times when Glenn can't come to DJ, so we've had other people step up there. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I never imagined it would be going on this long, so I didn't have... A bigger vision. I think the showcase events yeah. is part, something I'd like to do more of, so give people opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, I, every time I've thought about kind of wrapping it up, I realize it, it's, it's a great gateway for people, and I don't want to close that gateway. If, yeah. As long as we keep doing it and people get to know each other and continue on, then I want to keep it open in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, I and if so. I ever really get really get sick of it, I just don't want right. to deal with it. I know now that there are people who could carry that on. and Yeah, absolutely. And provide that for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. So when do you think about the San Diego music scene in general? I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I think it's a little challenging because it's such a transient city. A lot, there's it's, a lot of tourists. It's fickle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember once... Uh, being at a Casbah show, and I remember somebody talking about the Casbah Crescent, hmm. which is that circle. Nobody's right in front of the stage. Everybody's just kind of standing <laughs> yeah. back in this right. crescent. And that's San Diegans. We're, hmm. We like our music. We like our art. But um, we're a uh, laid-back group, I guess. I've, been to, I've played a lot of shows where there's hardly anybody there. I've been yeah. to shows like sure. that. Um, I think we have, have a great town, and the weather's great, so people... Um, they aren't as inclined to go to a the Chargers play or the right. Padres. It just yeah right. okay yeah sure why well, yeah, maybe yeah. but maybe I'll go to the beach instead yeah. So and I think that same thing is what happens with the arts and in music and um, but there's just a great community that supports it though that the the people that run the clubs like the Soda Bar and the Casbah yeah. and Space and everywhere else that I haven't mentioned. You know, they do a lot to really um, incubate music and keep it going and keeping a, a place where it can happen. Um, but yeah, as far as people just coming out, paying money to go see live music yeah. from new artists that they haven't heard before is stuff. Yeah. I think it's tough everywhere. Yeah. Trying to tell their friends, come out and see us play. And you can right. only do that so many times for your friends. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, I'll see you next time. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's, but, that's my perception. But yeah. Some bands, you know, in this town have really made a name for themselves and done really well. It's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's also challenging with L.A. right there. I think as bands get bigger, it makes sense to move up to L.A. Um, but, yeah. yeah. That was always, you know, growing up here, that was always this, we used to hate our big brother up north because, yeah, <laughs> there was a band you liked. 
they'd move up up to LA and that was that, you know. The sure. chance to see him in a small venue is over. Yeah. But um Yeah, and then our football team does the same thing. Sure, right. <laughs> so sorry, I'm an old Charger fan. Not anymore though. I'm over it. Yeah. Um yeah, you know, it's if you, there are pockets of amazing supports of art and music in this town, it's just it's, sometimes you got to really dig to find it. Mm-hmm. Keep your ear to the ground. Sure. Yeah. Or create your own community, which is, I feel like is what you guys have done with Open Oscillator. It's just sometimes you create that scene and people are looking for something. Um, so that's, it's awesome. Well, it, if that's, if people get something out of that, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to continue doing it. And there have been a few times where people have said things like, thank you for doing this and, yeah. and you know, keep it going. Or I'll talk about changing the format and people say, no, don't change anything. Mm-hmm. Keep it going. And, and I take that seriously, not as like a, like a compliment. Oh, you're, you know, you're great or whatever. It's more like, Hey, clearly people really want this and they're getting something out of it. People keep showing up. Yeah. And on Wednesday nights and Tuesday nights, right. so yeah. there must be something to it. And if I'm giving back to artists in the community, then, I mean, I'll do whatever I can because I, I feel honored to be able to play with these people too and um, and support the scene the mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. any way I can. Yeah, It's not expensive. It's just time consuming. Right? It's not that time consuming, honestly. <laughs> sure. It's, it's just, fun. I have, I have a job and I'm in school and yeah, it's hard yeah. sometimes to be out late on a Wednesday, but you know what? I suck it up and sure. And you look like you're having fun. Good. <laughs> I am. Awesome. All right, Jeff. So I really appreciate you taking the time to to come on my podcast and chat about Open Oscillator. And I uh, encourage everyone to to check that out and uh, to check out Takahashi. And uh, oh. yeah. Yeah, so thanks. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, cool. All right. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of the Sunshine Sound podcast. And I hope you will subscribe and tune in for future episodes. Uh, Very quickly, I just wanted to thank Tommy Bobcat for help with the setup and the audio engineering and uh, also for providing the theme music. So have a beautiful day and I'll talk to you soon.